0: Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the kings of the land of Canaan, as we pick up in Joshua, chapter 9, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: This time shall we turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 9. Now, the children of Israel had conquered Jericho and Ai, which were strong cities. And the kings that were in the land of Canaan, where they were coming, felt that their only hope of stopping this migration of these people into the land would be by a combined effort pooling all of their armies, all of their resources in one massive assault against Israel. Now this strategy was really prompted by the fact that the Gibeonites, which did cover an area of several cities, had determined that their only hope of survival was by a peace treaty. And so he starts out the ninth chapter, the first three verses, talking about the kings that were getting together to present a united front against this invasion, lest they would just be picked off kingdom by kingdom. They felt that they should all get together And then, beginning with verse 4, they tell of this Gibeonite conspiracy to develop a peace treaty with the Israelites as they were coming into the land. Now, the Gibeonites had heard of how God had delivered these people out of Egypt and how he had destroyed the Egyptians. They had heard of how the kings of Og and Sihon with their kingdoms on the other side of Jordan had been conquered by Israel. They heard, of course, that Jericho had fallen, that Ai had fallen. And so they determined their best course of action was to make a peace treaty. However, they also knew that these people that were coming into the land, the Israelites, had no intention of making any peace treaties with the inhabitants of the land. For they were under the orders of God to utterly drive out all of the inhabitants of the land. To destroy, to drive out. Not to make any covenant with them. Deuteronomy chapter 7. God commands them not to make any Covenants with those in the land. So they knew that their only hope of making a covenant was by a disguise, which they perpetrated. They got some fellows who put on some old ragged clothes, old clotted shoes. They had some old wineskins that were falling to pieces that they bound up. They had some dry, moldy bread. And so they came to the camp of Israel. And they said that we have come a long journey. But the fame of your God has spread abroad through the world and we've come to make peace with you. They said, how do, you, how do we know that you're not our neighbors? And they said, oh, listen. When we left home, this bread was hot in our hands, and now look at it, it's all dry and moldy. That's how far we've come. Our shoes were new on our feet, but look how ragged they are. That we've really come a long way. And so the children of Israel took of their victuals and inquired not f- from the Lord or sought not the counsel from the mouth of the Lord, and they made this covenant or peace treaty with the Gibeonites, and they swore unto them by God that they would have sort of a mutual defense pact, that they would be allied together. So as the children of Israel then moved on from Ai, they started coming into the area of the kingdom of the Gibeonites. These cities... And so as they started to deploy the troops to attack the cities, the men said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. They said, what do you mean? They said, we've just made a pact with you and you've sworn to us by God that you would not attack us. So they honored the pact that they had made. They realized that they had been deceived. But they honored the pact that they had made with the Gibeonites. However, the people began to murmur against Joshua because of his strategic blunder. And it is interesting to note that this is really the second mistake that Joshua made as a leader. The first mistake was in the case of Ai, where they sent up only a few thousand troops And the men of Ai came out against them and defeated them. And how that when Joshua cried unto the Lord, the Lord told him the reason for the defeat was because of the sin that was in the camp, that one of the children of Israel had taken of the accursed thing out of the spoils of Jericho, which were all to go to God, so Joshua then sought the Lord, got rid of the sin and and the Lord directed them then on how the conquest of Ai should go. Now the problem with Ai was his failure to pray and seek counsel from God before they deployed the troops to attack the city. The same problem existed here. It was a Failure to pray and inquire of God concerning the Gibeonites. They just looked at the outward circumstances. They saw the dry, moldy bread and the ragged clothes and they just were deceived. Now, had they sought counsel from God, had he come to Eliezer, the high priest, and inquired of the Lord concerning these people, the Lord would have showed to them that these people were fakes. They would have realized that these men were just seeking to disguise themselves as having come on a long journey, but in reality they were fakes and and the Lord would have revealed that. But they inquired not of the Lord. Their mistake was that of failure to seek God's counsel. And it got them into an ungodly alliance. How many times we've found ourselves in ungodly situations because we failed to seek God first. Oh, for sure, when we get in these conditions, then we seek God like everything. But if we would only seek God first, we could be spared. So many of these tragic experiences that we encounter in life and so the failure to seek God's guidance led them into this alliance with the Gibeonites but having once made it they honored it however Joshua called them and said all right you guys why did you deceive us like this And they said, hey, we knew that God was with you, that God was turning the land over to you, and we feared for our lives, and we felt that the only way we could survive was by this little ruse. And Joshua said, all right, but now, as a result of this, you fellows are going to have to be the hewers of wood and become our servants. They said, that's fine. We'll agree to that. We'll be your servants and all we will serve you, but we're just glad to be alive and so the the people of Gibeon and the cities of Gibeon were spared now uh the the names of the city of the Gibeonites are listed there, and in the listing of the names in verse seventeen, the last name Kerjath Jerim, is an interesting uh, name and city because it was at Kirjath-Jerim that the Ark of the Covenant was kept up until the time of David when he moved it from there to Jerusalem. So one of the cities of the Gibeonites became the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Now, when these five kings heard That uh, the Gibeonites had made this league with the children of Israel. Then they decided to attack the Gibeonites, more or less as traitors. And so they came against the Gibeonites. And in verse six of chapter 10, the men of Gibeon sent an urgent notice to Joshua that they were being attacked. And they said, now we have this mutual defense pact with you, so come to our aid. And Joshua, honoring the pact that he had made, took his men of war in a forced march all night long, and they came to the area of Gibeon where the Gibeonites were being attacked by these kings with all their chariots and horses and all, And the Lord spoke unto Joshua before going into battle and promised Joshua that he would be with him. Verse 8, chapter 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into your hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And Joshua came upon them suddenly, and he went up from Gilgal all night long, this forced march. The Lord discomfited them before Israel He slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the way to Beth-horon and to Azekah and to Machedah. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel, they were in the going down to Beth-horon. The Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah. And they died, and there were more that died with the hailstones. Than those whom the children of Israel slew with a sword. And then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ahalan. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, a very unusual event indeed. And whenever you get to miraculous events in the Bible, that's all it takes to trigger Some people, especially those who do not believe in God or those who have an anthropomorphic concept of God, think of God in terms of a man and limited as a man. The miracles always create doubts and problems in the minds of people and of course they then begin to exaggerate the problems that they see. For instance, one of the things that they make fun of with this particular passage and and find it quite incredible, that if the earth should suddenly stand still, and here you are standing on the earth and it's rotating at almost a thousand miles an hour. That if it would suddenly stand still, your body would still be going a thousand miles an hour so all the people would just be sort of wiped out, you know. You'd all go flying off the earth if it would suddenly stand still. And so they envision the impracticability of the earth standing still. In other words, he said sun stands still, but we know that the earth is actually rotating on its axis, which makes the sun appear to rise and set and so forth. And so, obviously, it was, they say, the earth stopping on its axis, but then they saw all of these men flying off the earth because of it stopping so rapidly. However, there is nothing that indicated that it was a sudden stop like hitting a brick wall. Now, if it, say, took six hours to stop, That would be equivalent to stopping your car going 60 miles an hour and stopping your car to zero in 20 minutes as far as the force that would be exerted against you. Now, I would like to suggest if you were going 60 miles an hour in your car and you brought it to a 20-minute stop (laughs) that you would hardly notice any inertia against your body at all Now if it should stop in eight minutes It would be equivalent to stopping your car at 60 miles an hour in 30 seconds You wouldn't even need your seat belts for that So there is nothing that indicated that it came to a sudden jerky halt God could have just put on the brakes and brought it to a stop in, say, eight or ten minutes. And again, the only way that you feel motion is by the jerks. You really don't discern motion except for the jerks in motion uh, you, on a train. A lot of times you don't even know the train is moving until you look out the window. And then you see uh, the station gradually going by. Or on the airplane so many times, you don't know that the airplane has actually started moving until you look out and and you see the motion outside. But you don't feel motion unless there are jerks. So God could have brought the earth to a halt in a eight, 10-minute period, and no one would have gone flying out in space, and no one would have... Uh, really uh, noticed a sudden jerky stop at all. There were some articles in various magazines, there were some tracks written that some NASA scientists with a computer were uh, trying to predict the trajectory of a particular rocket and in going back in time in the computer, the computer came to a place where it found a missing day that is not factual that didn't happen it's one of those stories that got widespread publicity but there's no truth to it however if there was a long day Joshua saw that it was you know that they needed more time to wipe out the enemy And so he said, son, stand still. That would be sort of a, quite a thing to say in the sight of all the people. I mean, you're going to look like a fool or a, a real powerful guy, one of the two. And in sound of all the people, he said, son, stand still. Now, whether or not he really was expecting it to do it or not, nevertheless, it did. For about the space of a day, giving them time to totally obliterate the enemy. Now, notice that along with this, there was a tremendous hailstorm. And that more people were killed by the hailstones than they killed with the sword. There is a very interesting book entitled, Worlds in Collision by Immanuel Velikovsky. Now, his theory is that the planet Venus entered into our solar system during the period of man's history upon the earth. That planet Venus has actually come within our solar system within the last 6,000 years. That it actually made two, or it made two orbits, and on the second orbit, it got fixed in its own orbit and in alignment as the planets are around the sun. It got locked into an orbit around the sun. The first time it orbited in and out, they, according to his theory, was about the time that the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt And he ties many of the plagues in Egypt to a close pass of the planet Venus to the earth. The second close pass he times at this long day of Joshua. In fact, he accounts for the long day of Joshua as to have resulted from this near miss of the planet Venus to the earth. He believes that the earth used to rotate the opposite direction on its axis until this near pass. Now, he theorized that if there was a long day there at Joshua's time, that other places in the world there would be recorded a long night. For instance, here in America, the Indians would have recorded a long night. If there was a long day there, they'd have to be a long night here. And that in different places of the world it would be recorded as either a long afternoon, long morning, or whatever, as it related to the time there in Joshua.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 9 through 10 when visiting the thewordfortoday.org. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love through the power of His Holy Spirit as you are enriched in your walk with Jesus Christ day by day as He ministers to you His strength. And may you begin to experience more and more in your own life that power of God's love his spirit which dwells within in Jesus name
0: this program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa California I am Goliath (laughs) what's going on Don't be afraid, we have God on our side. My name is David, and I know all about big, scary giants. I've defeated lions and bears, and God will help me defeat Goliath, too. It's true, and Pastor Chuck wants to tell you all about the story of David and Goliath in his new book, Just for Kids. So come along on a great adventure and discover how God used David to defeat a big, scary giant, and learn why David believed that God was. Big enough even to conquer Goliath. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of David and Goliath so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the Word for Today at 800 272 WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the story of David and Goliath, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.